grab your pre-workout and turn up that volume. It is time for a new episode of the Powerlifters Den with your host, Cam Smith. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Powerlifters Den. I'm your host, Cam Smith, and today I wanted to bring on one of the best female raw benchers of all time and an overall great powerlifter. Jen, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, hello. Thank you for including the powerlifter part. <laughs> I'm Jen Thompson. Coming here from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Happy to be on here. Thank you. Awesome. So I know recently you just had a competition. I heard things went pretty well. Um, so why don't you tell everybody what uh, what your best lifts are, including your bench. Uh, well, only one thing went well, and that was my bench press. Everything else was shit, just so you know. <laughs> I had one, one glimmering moment. Um, but overall, uh, my best competition squats a three fifty two. My best bench is a three twenty seven and a half, and my best deadlift is a four fifty seven. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people um, are just uh, you're obviously well known for your bench, but people don't realize right. that you're also a pretty well rounded powerlifter. You have great lifts and other lifts too. So. Um, I, I got four world titles yeah. in powerlifting, you know, yeah, yeah. you got to have something more than a bench to have that. Yep. <laughs> and so um, I guess we'll start off by uh, asking you about what kind of got you into powerlifting and when was your first competition? Um, I more just got into powerlifting, honestly, um, when I graduated high school and got into college. Um, I just didn't want to get fat and out of shape because high school was over is <laughs> basically how it happened. I was a, a distance runner um, in uh, high school and I used to run road races with my dad, but um, I never really loved running, but I kind of just did it as a keep in shape thing. So when I was introduced to weights, I was like, oh my God, this is so much better. <laughs> so I, I really just fell in love with it. And um, just as a girl, I was, um, uh, real thin. I was stick, stick kind of girl, runner, you know, no shape. And so when I was being introduced to powerlifting or just really weight training, they were like, well, if you do this, you know, you'll get some shoulders and a butt and some pecs and some, some boobs. <laughs> so, uh, you should try this. And that was kind of like, all right, let's, let's give that a go. And so, uh, I just kind of mucked around with it, honestly, um, from like 18 to mid twenties, you know, just sort of trained with some friends our roommates had a, a home gym in our, our basement before home gyms were like cool this was back in the 90s you know yeah. um so uh and it was just kind of like every every evening at five o'clock everyone showed up and we hung out and trained and it was just a lot of fun but I wasn't like training for anything particular I just sort of enjoyed it and I'd kind of fall in and out of it um but then in uh, 1999 was my very first competition I was 27 I think and what federation was that in? It was USA Powerlifting. I think it was right when they had just split from the ADFPA. I honestly didn't know anything about powerlifting or the feds. I just, you went into the magazine. There was a Powerlifting USA magazine. Yep. And you just looked in the back for <laughs> upcoming competitions. And then you would like um, fill out uh, entry form and mail it in with your check. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's probably easier than nowadays when there's so many right. federations, you have no clue where to even look for some people. Like, yeah. yeah, so I just looked at it all, and a lot of them were all letters and stuff, and that one said USA Powerlifting, and I thought, well, that sounds legit. I really honestly was just, just luck. I mean, I just picked it, and it was um, 
you know, we lived up in Michigan, and I think they had more of a, a presence up there. So it just, just kind of happened. So when, when you went to that first meet, was it a solo mission, or did you kind of roll in with, with a group of people, or did you have a coach at the time? Oh, no. Like, I totally had no idea what was going on. My husband went with me, Donovan, and, um, and we didn't really know anything. I mean, he'd been weight training for years. He'd learned how to train, weight train in the military. Um, and so, but like, I learned to deadlift like the night before, like, <laughs> I've never even done it before. <laughs> like it was definitely like, a let's, let's, well, we had gone, um, to California for our honeymoon and there was a bench press competition on, uh, Venice beach. Wow. And so I went up and talked to some of the people up there and I was like, Hey, this sounds, this is really cool. Like, how do I get into this? And so they were, you know, telling me what to do. And so then we just, a year later, just, I just signed up for it. And I thought, well, I'll give it a go. <laughs> see see how, the, how much fun this is. Yeah. And um, it was, you know, obviously a big learning curve. I almost bombed out of my squats. Like the first one, like I missed high. The second one, I fell backwards into the spotter. He had to catch me. Oh boy. And then the th third one, I think they were just being really nice. <laughs> gave it to me because it was like, you know, I was in a high school gym. Yeah. You know, it was like, I think there was two women in the whole competition. Oh, wow. You know, it was just very low key. So it was probably a good first one. Yeah. And then so for going into your first meet was um, like, was bench at the time still like one of your best lifts or like what? Yeah, I think I benched two. 50 something maybe oh, or two, wow. yeah, yeah two something um yeah squatted 186 <laughs> <laughs> it only got my opener i think i deadlifted like i don't know three 305 or 315 something like that but um yeah it was i mean when when we started training it was all about how much you bench i mean that was like the marker of how strong you were and like legs were like a secondary thought you know they were like the accessories and then maybe you would get some like hack squats in or something or use the machines there was no squatting yeah. involved so i mean it was so my bench was definitely way better than everything because it's all we really it was fun and it's all we really worked very hard at. yeah so i guess kind of into your journey like along the years um when did you obviously you knew bench was like one of your best lifts what kind of was like one of your first like major goals i'm assuming maybe it was 300 or um maybe a record at the time yeah um like i was doing just i did my first meet was a power to me but i got into the bench only stuff right away because i was i was good at it i didn't know the other things and you know going to world got to go to worlds my very first year which was pretty neat um I don't, I don't know. Like I always thought if I could get to 300, that would be really cool. But that seemed like, um, like a 20 years down the road kind of deal, <laughs> you know, like one day, yeah. you know, um, I think more, I was just focused on, um, breaking the current records and, uh, winning a world championships. That was really my goals. I didn't actually have a number in mind back then it was all shirted, um, stuff. There was no raw. Yeah. I was, know. I was actually going to ask you, have you ever considered throwing on like a single ply or a multiply shirt so did you ever compete in one back in the day that's all there was yeah so like my very first meet obviously was rocks i didn't know anything about it but then we met some people and they're like yeah i was because i was kind of like why are these people walking around like mummies like i don't get <laughs> i don't get what's going on here and then they tell you know then they put the i remember i got my very first insert shirt and i sent it back because so i was like this is fucked up dude like it <laughs> cut up my arms like i couldn't feel them you know like what the hell i mean i'm sure the customer service was like this lady's nuts <laughs> like i returned it for like a bigger size because i'm like people can't honestly want to wear this you know yeah. <laughs> um but I, I got schooled pretty pretty early in it 
Um, so like, I think my first, um, four titles were, um, in, in bench equipped. Um, I did it till I did equip lifting. I eventually got into all three. I did that all the way till I think 2012. And then I gave it up for good once the raw movement came. Cause that was way better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your, what was your best bench in a, in a shirt? Oh, I was never really great at it. Honestly. Um, I 331. Oh, wow was the best i was only getting um you know 30 ish pounds out of my shirt 35 pounds and i knew like the other girls were getting like 100 but they had half my arm size they were half my height and they were a little squishier yeah. so, <laughs> like i really was i was really not getting a lot out of it and part of it was my fault i just didn't enjoy wearing it so i didn't spend a lot of time and i was like oh this is bullshit this sucks <laughs> Um, so I'd put it on like a couple days before the meet and then see how it went. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So I know, um, I, the thing if I've read, I was looking up, um, so you're also, you in your career, you're also a math teacher, correct? Yeah, I'm actually doing science now. But yeah, my first probably, well, this is my 27th year teaching. My first, I think, 18 or 19 years were in math. So, so um, like as a, as a teacher, like how many of your students, or what grade do you teach? It kind of changes from year to year. Um, I go all the way from middle school up to high school. Uh, last year I had like 10th, 11th, and 12th. This year I have six, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever have students that like recognize you for for like your powerlifting? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I run like you know I run a powerlifting club okay. at our school. Um, I uh, you know coach kids in competition, so I mean they know, they know that. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say it would be kind of funny to be like yeah my teacher is Jen Thompson <laughs> so yeah I get a little bit of that um not a ton like not as much as you probably would think it's sort of like an afterthought or if they know I'm like you know when they knew I was going off to run that you know they wanted to know about it and yeah. thought it was cool um the best thing was like my new principal I have this year she's like my sister is such a fan of yours. <laughs> like she is so fangirling you and she knew everything about me and they follow up my Instagram and stuff. And that was kind of wild. I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so I guess we can talk about a little bit about the power clifting run there. How long have you been doing that? Oh gosh. Um, a long time. <laughs> I don't know. I think you do it for so long. Like the years just sort of roll. I mean, it's probably been at least 10 years or so. And um, so I know like high school powerlifting is big in Texas. Is it also relatively big in, no? <laughs> no, I keep trying. Yeah. I'm trying very hard. But um, in Texas is probably an anomaly, but like in the South, it's all about football. Mm-hmm. And I find like anytime I try to get stuff going, like the football coaches like don't want it. They're afraid you're going to steal their players or <laughs> hurt them or teach them something they don't want you to teach them or they just don't want to listen to some woman tell them what to do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so funny. it's been, I've hit a lot of roadblocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. Cause my, so my, my, um, defensive line coach from college, um, he's like, he's big into lifting. He's a very big advocate for it. And, um, I was trying to like prep for a competition, like to do, I think it was my first meet and it was like right after the season, right before we got into our like training season of like when you actually try to grow. And he was like, if you get hurt, I swear to God, <laughs> I'm going to uh-huh. kill you. So yeah. It is funny. There's the disconnect. Yeah. When in reality, it probably made you the the better player that you were. You yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think um, one of the biggest things I can pull from that is like the, the people who enjoy being in the weight room the most are the most successful football players. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so at Raw Nats, like, what was um, how was the prep going into it? Did you have any setbacks or any um, any big like PRs or anything that you were really mm-hmm. excited for? Yeah, I mean the the training part was probably one of the most disjointed ones I've ever had. Uh, my mom got had some health problems and got sick, and she lives um, in Maine. I live in North Carolina. So I spent a lot of time flying back and forth um, helping her. So uh, that's always, you know, messes with your training because you're not in your, your home space and you're, you know, you're not with your people and you're training in a, a, a weird gym that doesn't necessarily have what you need. And so that, that was a tough and I had picked up, um, I did some seminars and stuff, but I hadn't planned on being gone, you know, all that time prior and after. So um, it was really kind of all over the place. We had tried something um, different. Normally, we were doing a um, an eight-day system where we do two days on, two days off. Mm-hmm. Um, for And then so my oldest son um, is a senior this year, and this was an important baseball summer for his collegiate future. Yep. Um, so we spent a lot of time traveling around with him to different baseballs and scouting and you know, all that sort of stuff. So that we decided to change it to a seven day system where we had weekends off so mm-hmm. that we could kind of accommodate his schedule. It turns out that doesn't work well for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a little bit overtrained. It was a little too much. We were trying to make some adjustments. So in reality, the training was not great, but I was hitting some massive PRs in my squat. There we go. So that, cause we were actually getting, our thought process was we're getting actually more workouts within the seven days opposed to the eight, you know, we're hitting legs more often than the other way so um so actually did see some good increase in my squat but then my bench sort of suffered from overtraining with that so there was kind of some some give and take in it but um we ended up um going right back to the eight day and it's way better for me (laughs) yeah so i guess over the years like have you had to kind of adjust your training as you got older or do you think you kind of um like spaced it out in a way that the longevity has held up um, I think I've always been just a little bit smart about it and really listening to my body, but um, I've definitely made a lot of adjustments. Um, and I don't know if part of it is age or part of it is just uh, injury related and um, working around injuries and understanding what my body's capable post those injuries. So we've definitely like we do a lot less uh, singles um, in our training and do a lot more doubles and triples now. The eight day just seems to work really well. I still work the same intensity, I feel like, and we pretty much go, you know, almost all out every training cycle session, you know, like I don't like RPA five, six, eight, nine, or shit like that. I just, <laughs> I'm like, I had a constant nine. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't, you know, that hasn't changed as I gotten older. Maybe it's just a, a mechanism of that's how we've always trained. So my body can handle it that like that. Um, but I mean, we've definitely switched around like rep schemes, um, days, like accessories, things like that, always trying to improve and tweak. And then I think too, you know, you're just life changes, you know, when you're a parent, you have a career, you know, your job changes, your kids are getting older, you just have different um, responsibilities as you get older and your training's got to adjust with that. Yeah. And so I guess more on training is I, I remember seeing a video kind of about, um, you doing static holds on bench. Um, I'm still kind of unfamiliar exactly like the, the methods to apply them. Um, you want to tell us about how you apply them to your training? 
Yeah, I mean, we felt one of when we were in college, one of our friends was going through chiropractic school, and he spent a lot of time um, studying isometrics. And he was way into weight training. He never competed, but he loved weight training. And he's like, I really think we can apply this to our training. I think we'll see. Um, you know, there's there wasn't a ton of studies at the time. Now there's more where uh, isometrics uh, have a positive influence over your concentric strength, um, especially with the bench press, especially. Uh, part female, but I think it helps with the male too. It's a lot of um, helping with those stability muscles mm -hmm. and the taking it out. Um, uh, positive is, you know, when you're in a competition, if you get a shitty handoff, you can handle it pretty well because you're used to doing those, you know, heavy holds. So that's a unforeseen plus. Um, but the idea was to overload um, but then use that method of a static hold to increase concentric strength, but also um, working stability muscles. So we started just implementing that um, every other week. I used to do them actually when I first started competing, I would do it right before lifting because just and not for like 15 seconds, but just for a few, just so that I could trick myself into thinking the weight wasn't as heavy, yeah. you know, as it was when, cause yeah, I was a, in the beginning, I had a lot of mental, like, I, I was really struggling with the mental aspect of competing, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that helped. So I actually used to do it, like, right before we would go out there um, just to kind of rest my brain. Like, I can handle this much weight, so this isn't that bad. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, mental trick in that. Yeah. Um, but, we've yeah, we've been doing them for years, and anyone that's tried them, they always message me and say this is – and I think for, like – I don't know that it helps when you're a beginner because there's so much form and stuff. But once you're in it, you're always kind of looking for small things that can kind of give your bench a boost yeah. or give yourself a gain. And this is definitely, I think, something easy to do that you see some good carryover. Yeah. And like for me, I'm kind of a head case sometimes. And mm -hmm. so I think it would be a decent thing to try to apply and kind of, the, I guess, the logic behind it is kind of like a, using a donut for a baseball bat kind of. Like, yes. So, yeah. So, um, exactly. I guess my next question would be like, I know you're supposed to overload it, but like what percentages usually do you go for? Yeah. Well, we do it on squat also. We call them walkouts, yep. you know, so you're, um, walking out super heavy weight and then doing the hold as well. Um, I always say to start like a 120% over your one rep max. Um, and that's weight that you can usually easily handle no problem, but mm -hmm. it's a good starting point. And then some of it, you know, you get better the more you do it, you can handle more weight. So, Usually we say about 120% over, and then, you know, uh, we'll try to hold it for a good 15 seconds. And then if you can make that, then you increase next time and just keep going till you, till you, till you can't. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, do you ever use the, the weight releasers in bench training as well? I haven't, um, just because no one's given me any. <laughs> <laughs> We've got bands and, um, you know, different stability things that we do. Um, I do find that interesting though, but I just haven't, um, I haven't gotten into it. No. Have you? Um, I've used them, I think once, but I don't, I don't use them as like a tool. Uh, the gym uh -huh. I go to, we have just the weight danglers, so uh -huh. they don't release at the bottom, but I'm Got sure you. I could figure out a way to make them fall off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do a lot with the bands and it's a similar concept because we do the, uh, reverse bands also where we hang them from a squat rack yep. and then down around it. So um, you know, it's getting heavier as you pressing it and you're overloading it with a crap ton of weight yeah. and the idea is working your speed. So, I mean, it's kind of the same concept. 
Yeah, I, I feel like uh, I, I do know reverse bands can be helpful. I feel like usually I, I'll do like board presses with bands at the top, so it's just like mm -hmm. a heavy lockout focus. Yeah. And then occasionally I'll use like a slingshot, and I think re now I'm going to try to get into learning like a, a shirt just so I can overload that mm -hmm. so when I go back to a raw meat and I can handle that weight. Yeah, shirts are funny. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on the shirt you get now, but there's so like way more than when I, you know, did them. I actually did put one on a few years ago. So, you know, my husband's like, just put it on and just, just see. And I did like half rep and I was like, nope. Yeah, the pressure, <laughs> the pressure and then you have to, you know, you to make it work for you, you have to take it through the path of most resistance. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's a, a lot of pressure. Sometimes there's a lot of pain in your armpit, and your, you know, your tricep, and it's, uh, yeah, pressure. Yeah, that's good. So I'm like, you know what? I gave this up because I didn't enjoy <laughs> it, and I think I'm just going to keep it that way. Yeah, I, I tried on, like, a loose single-ply shirt once, and I yeah. couldn't even touch 315 no. in my chest, and it was crazy. No. And then, like, yeah. now they got the all the band shirts, like the F8. Oh, just... yeah. Oh, that stuff's yeah. just crazy. And I, I'm I'm hoping it doesn't happen, but just there's I, my gut feeling that tells me something very bad is going to happen. Because, I mean, they, they're doing, you know, hundreds of pounds over what their body can normally handle. Yeah. And granted, the shirt is taking quite a bit of it, but not all of it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for like he, Jimmy Cole, like fourteen hundred oh, pounds, like that's just that's just nuts. And he's like passing out and shit. What are you yeah, talking yeah. Like, what are you doing? It's it's so funny. There's like the the different mindsets people have of training mm -hmm. like that. And know. Uh, you can't even put you can't even put your hands on the bar yourself. You have to have <laughs> someone put your hand on the bar because you can't physically do it yourself. I mean, to me, it just is mind boggling. But you know, whatever. It's fun. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, he is holding that weight for sure. Yeah, that alone is um, crazy. <laughs> I just hope that, you know, nothing bad happens to him. Sending positive thoughts. Yeah. Um, so I know you just competed, but what's kind of like your, your next step or next big goal for you? Oh, I'm signed right up for the Olympia uh, November 4th because I actually signed up before before Ron Nats. Ron Nats was real disappointing for me outside of my, my bench. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but when I first started lifting weights, um, bodybuilding was what you looked at, you yeah. know, that you didn't really hear about powerlifting. So in Muscle Fitness Magazine, that was really the only fitness workout magazine. And I followed it religiously. You know, they would put workouts in there and you would try them. And um, the female bodybuilders at the time, Corey Everson and Linda Murray, were like my idols growing up because they were still like they kept their femininity, but they were badass and yeah. muscular, you know, and I just, I just, I know I named my dog after them. Like, I just thought they were amazing. And it was all, you know, and you would wait for the Olympia episode to come out in the magazine, you know, to see who won. And so when uh, they, you know, put powerlifting in it, I thought I want to do that. Cause I've always wanted to go um, just cause it just looked so cool. And it was like, it was the it. Yeah. So I'd, even though it was only five weeks after Ron Nationals, <laughs> I was like, I signed up for it. And then I had such a shitty um, squat and deadlift. I'm like, I'm it's my redemption meet. I don't care. I, I only got five lifts in at Ron Nat. So I'm like, if I get seven or eight in, it's going to be a better meet than <laughs> what I just had. So let's go. <laughs> So for the, for that meet, do you have uh, any like specific goals, just or just want to hit some new PRs? 
Oh, I want to hit some squat. I'm really more about my squat and my, my deadlift. Um, I, you know, I, I aged up into the next master's age group. So there's, there's new records to be had, yep. um, but I really want, um, in my open, I'm really want to get like a 515, 520 kg total. And I think I'm capable of doing that. Um, so it's, those are goals, but honestly, for this one, it's like, I think I'll, I think I'll do it because I'm going to have fun and there's no pressure, you go. know, just go out there and, and make sure you hit lifts is really it. Um, and then, you know, it's always, uh, neat to do it on a stage in front of a ton of people with the crowd and the, you know, that always gets me really amped up. So, um, and I have a bunch of friends that are coming, so it should be. It should be just fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I've only done like local meets so far, so mm-hmm. I'd like to try to get to a point where I can go on st- some sort of stage. Uh, I was thinking like a XBC at the Arnold or just something like that, or just get my total up enough to where I can start getting invited to meets. So yeah, there's nothing like it. I always say it's like it's like the closest I'll probably ever get to like being a rock star or something <laughs> like that because you're, um, especially the Arnold. You know, you look out and it's just a sea of people like people for miles you know and they're the got the music and the announcers going crazy and people are yelling and people are yelling your name like yeah. i'm like they know my name they're yelling <laughs> go jen you got this and i'm like it's just the most amazing feeling you know you feel like you got everyone in your your corner you know you know cheering you on um it's a special special thing for sure to get to experience that yeah, that's what I love about the sport too, because it's uh, it's one of the only sports where every single person in the room is cheering you on. Where yeah. every other sport, there's always it's always split, or like bodybuilding yeah. can be a little like mm-hmm. a little feisty sometimes. <laughs> sure. Well, even your competitors are cheering you on. Yeah. You're going for a record; they're cheering you on to get that. You know, they may be secretly in their head that they're doing this, <laughs> but they're not going to say it out loud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's always like a, well, I want to win, but I also want to see them yeah, succeed. But so. Yeah, like if they hit this, it would be amazing. So you want to, you know, celebrate in that with them. Yeah. So what, um, obviously you've done some pretty big meets. Do you, do you have a favorite meet? Oh, um, well, I always love the Arnold, of course. Um, I mean, years ago we went to New Zealand and we lifted in the worlds there and it was probably, for sure, it was one of my most favorite times. Um, it was probably the only time that we are treated as like, um, like professional type athletes where we put up in a nice place. That's awesome. We were in a main town. We lifted in front of the town in a theater, like we were on radio shows and stuff. Um, so that, and then the, it was just an amazing place to visit in any way. And I, um, won of course, so that made (laughs) it good, but, um, I, I just, uh, it was one of the, a lot of times, uh, lifting in the IPF, especially the earlier years, like you'd fly somewhere and you'd be in the middle of nowhere and like, you'd be, your hotel conditions were not good, you know, and it was just, it was not what you would expect like a world championships to be. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first time where it was what you thought something like that would have been like, you know, so that was um, awesome. And then our, you know, USA powerlifting raw nationals are just amazing because they're huge. You know, so like for me, 67 and a half, there was a hundred girls in my weight class. That's crazy. And so it took up an entire day um, of lifting and then the prime time and at night. And so you're at prime time and it's all the lifters during the day. They're cheering you on. Like, it's like, 
it's just so cool, like to, and then people recognize you and they, um, you know, they want their picture with you and it just makes you feel so special. Yeah. And so, um, and they're so well run. I mean, the graphics and stuff going on behind you, the live stream, I mean, they really put a lot of money into making it um, a professional event. So I always thought our national events were way better than the world events. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I've never competed in USAPL. I've mostly done RPS, and I just did mm -hmm. an IPA meet. So um, what kind of drifted you towards competing USAPL into IPF? Um, mostly just because I felt like it sounded like you were lifting for your country, and it was the biggest one. Um, and then with the IPF, I mean, there's hundreds of countries. So you're not going to a world and lifting against, like, people from Canada and Mexico. <laughs> you know, like, you're lifting legit against people from the top people from um, all over the world. You know, there's like 50 different countries at, you know, the worlds. Um, and a lot of the um, European countries, they don't, they're not allowed to live in, lift in multiple federations. They only get one, mm -hmm. you know, there's only one international federation and there's only one national. So you are lifting against the best of that country because they don't have like multiple ones like we do, you know, so, um, most of it was just being able to put myself in the most competitive position and see how well I can do there. Yeah. Um, so I guess didn't, so the, uh, the USAPL just disconnected from the IPF not too long ago, right? Well, we got kicked out, <laughs> <laughs> but I would say too, the drug testing was a, a big draw. Um, the fact that they, um, drug test a lot yeah. and their goal is to try to you know there's always whatever but their goal is to try to keep it as clean as possible and they put a lot of money towards that so that was important to me yeah also I, I guess kind of going off that a little bit what did you kind of have it set in stone like when you first started like I'm gonna stay a natural lifter my whole career or yeah it never encouraged me to do anything else and mostly because I probably because I was never in a position where it was even accessible or available. We lifted in our basement gym my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not like we were at a gym and people were like, Hey, you know, if you tried this, you would get stronger or anything. I just was never in that environment and I was doing pretty good without it. So yeah, <laughs> like it just, and then I think too, like when I was growing up, it was a very much say, say no to drugs. It was really hidden to us hard that, um, you shouldn't be doing that now, now, like the landscape is much different, yeah. you know, there's tested and untested and it's not as like seen as being something like illegal, you know, like, like it was when I, when I grew up, like yeah. you were like riding the wrong side of the law, like <laughs> if you were getting into that stuff, you know, so, um, showing my age some on that one, but just. <laughs> It just never occurred to me to do it, and it just wasn't—it just wasn't in my face. It, like it wasn't yeah. around me anywhere. So, no. And then, um, so you mentioned you were training out of your basement. So, tell tell us a little bit about where you train out of. Um, well, it's just our our home gym that my husband put together in the '80s. You know, <laughs> like, and we still have some of the same equipment. Um, but you know, back when he—he's a bit older than I am. He's about seven years older than I am. So when he got out of the army and came back home. Um, there weren't big box gyms like we have now. There wasn't like, you know, there wasn't a gym on every corner. Every town had a, like a racquetball club with like maybe like a universal machine and a set of dumbbells. Like there yeah. was no accessibility. So he and his buddies all worked and put their money together and made some of their equipment. And so, um, so we've always had that and we've been able to obviously add to it, you know, 
as we've gotten older and you know this stuff is way more you can buy stuff now yeah. like he's he will tell me like when they first got it you would walk into a store and they would have like um floor samples of the machines and you would point to which one you would want and they would make it for you like there wasn't like pre we didn't just take it home you know um so yeah, it's a different different sort of scenario there so we've always and it's always been that we've always had um friends that lived with us like every day like not necessarily com people that are competing but just neighbors and friends it's always been like a a fun time we get together and get strong um so that's just i think probably why i stayed in it for so long because it's enjoyable yeah i feel like so i have like a, a i guess a mini garage gym i don't have a lot i have some stuff because like if i it was in a pinch and i needed to lift i could do it it's mostly yeah. just like if i don't have spotters that's why i don't train at home so i feel that's cool i think like having that at least that safety aspect of it is obviously really important so yeah yeah <laughs> We did a lot of training at other gyms this summer because of our crazy schedule. And it really made, although it was fun, it made me appreciate, you know, our equipment that we have is fairly good. And just being able to pick your own music and not having to wait for stuff or work in with people, you know, it's it's all about you. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's nice. It really made me uh, have a whole new appreciation level for what we have available to us. For sure. If you could pick like one piece of equipment from your gym, that's like your absolute favorite, what would it be? Well, side the bench, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really just, I love our belt squat machine. Um, I feel like that's probably contributed to a lot of my longevity is the fact that um, I can squat a lot and not load up my spine, you know? And, um, you know, we, we, we change our footing positions to hit different areas, you know, of it. And so um, I feel like that's probably one of the, the best things that that we've got we have like a reverse hyper i like that also yep. um but the the belt squat i think is what's um gonna keep me in it in the long run which uh belt squat do you have we actually had one made it was from um a company out of south carolina called state of the arc yeah have you heard of them yep. okay <laughs> so you know belt squat machines are generally huge yeah and we are our basement was an old it was it's a converted garage is basically what it is so and it was a one in one car garage so it's not big yeah. um so we were able just to give him the dimensions of the size that we could handle and he just made it right to that so that was pretty cool so with the you said you change foot positions do you do any other like do you ever do a variation on it do you have like band pegs on it do you ever utilize that or anything no usually we save the bands for the straight bar mm -hmm. Um, like I said, it's pretty small, <laughs> the squat, belt squat machine. <laughs> and then it obviously, um, so obviously the bench is your favorite and the belt squats it would be like your second. What's, yeah. what's your least favorite? Is it the, oh, the GHR? <laughs> it is. I hate that thing. Oh my God. It's horrible. It's just so painful. <laughs> like every rep sucks yeah. about it. And then I try to, you know, load them up with the weights and stuff. And I'm like, Oh yeah horrible and like you do a lot of reps on them too like it's not like three or four you're doing like eight yep. you get to like four you're like shit i got four more yeah. <laughs> and i have to talk myself out of quitting early <laughs> when um so i did when i did a meet back in april i um at the beginning of the prep i tried to start doing them and i couldn't do a single one yeah and then i mean the learning curve was quick and then i kind of got up there but 
you, you never get over that feeling of your hamstring feeling like it's going to tear at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> and weirdly, my, my calves always cramp up when we're doing those, and I can't wear knee sleeves. If I wear knee sleeves while I do it, like, it's just game over. <laughs> yeah. Like, my calves are cramped, and I can't move. So it is kind of funny because normally we do them after squats and things like that. So you're usually pretty fatigued by the time you get to them. So you, you do them after squat day? Mm-hmm. Do you, um, so what do your accessories look like on a, a deadlift day then? Are they more back focused? Yeah, we do back and biceps, and then we'll do like Romanians, um, rack pulls, some overweighted stuff or wagon wheels, things like that. Yeah, but it's all, it's all back and bicep focused outside of like some deadlift um, variations. So on the, the eight-day schedule, what is... What does the two on, two off look like? Uh, well, we start with bench because that's the best one. You always start with the best one. <laughs> that's why I start with <laughs> so squats. Like, I know. I'm completely reversed because the bench gets me to the squat day. <laughs> if I had to start with squats, I may never make it. Uh, so usually I have the, the bench day, the squat day, two days off. And then we do like um, a, probably like a bench accessory. We call it our tricep shoulder day. But it's usually when we're doing like lockouts or boards or um, close grips, things like that with some other tricep shoulder. And then our last day is uh, a deadlift back and by day. Yeah. So, yeah, I usually do the a four day. Uh, so I'm doing Sunday squat, Monday bench, and then I'll deadlift on Wednesday and then bench again on Friday because my bench is my worst lift. Um, I've been, I was stuck at like 340 for like, probably the past two or three years had some shoulder and chest injuries so mm. and then finally just broke that and hit 360 in my meet a few nice. weeks ago so there you go i'm hoping it's up from there because keep I'm, going yeah <laughs> i'm really trying to get to the 400 because like my squat and my dead well my deadlift's kind of a, a shit show right now um but my squat's just been going up and up for years so i'm not worried yeah. about that that's why I, my, and then during covid um i had a squat rack in my dad's basement and um, have you ever heard of the Smolov program? Sounds familiar, but I don't know what it is. So it's like a high volume squat program. And I was squatting okay. in my dad's basement like three days a week, mm-hmm. just all during quarantine. So it was just, yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a dark time, but it definitely yeah. brought up my squat. <laughs> I think it brought up my yeah. squat and deadlift like 50 pounds each over a summer. Wow. Yeah. So I almost want to do that for bench, but I'm not sure if my shoulders yeah. can hang in there. Yeah, anymore. the upper body is tough because it just can't really handle, I feel like, the volume that your lower body can handle. Um, I feel like I'm the opposite. I feel like, well, for me, deadlifts just fry me like crazy. Mm-hmm. Squats I could do all day, but bench I could also do three or four times a week probably. Or maybe mm-hmm. I'm just not training heavy enough. So <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I certainly couldn't do that. <laughs> so... Um, Another thing I saw was um, that you have the airwave mouth guard. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Kind of explain, um, was it something that you were using before and then kind of got approached by the company or vice versa? Yeah, I always used a mouth guard, um, particularly on the three lifts. Um, I used to wear the Under Armour Bite. I think they stopped making it, um, but I uh, had cracked through those a couple of times. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, the airwave just messaged me and they're like, hey, can we send you, you know, our mouthpieces and will you just tell us what you think? And so honestly, they sent it to me and it it probably sat on my shelf for three months <laughs> before I even like, I was like, oh, okay, I'll give this a try. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, um, 
it is very much like the Under Armour bike, but just a little bit better. It's, there's just a little more substance to it. They have a couple different kinds. They have one that kind of the CrossFitters use, but it, to me, like, I don't even know why you bother with it because there's barely anything to it. Um, but the endurance one I like um, just because it gives you enough support, but doesn't feel like something like you have, like your mouth is overflowing with a mouth guard. You can bear, you know, you can tell it's there, but it's not giant, which is what I like. It's just the bottom piece. I like that. Um, and so actually I, I started using it like on all my lifts now because like it creates so much good tension in my jaw into my neck and helps me create pressure that I noticed when I started using it on like my incline bench, my decline bench, even in my curls, they were better. I had more pressure, more power. So actually I wear it on every single lift now. <laughs> is it, is it, is it legal in all federations or? As far as I know. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, it's just. I mean, the dentist will thank you for yeah. <laughs> cracking your teeth, you know, having something in there. Um, but it just, um, I mean, it's just like, it's such an easy thing to do to have a little bit of return for doing barely anything. Yeah. And I feel you like, know, strong so I don't know been, why you wouldn't do it. Yeah. I feel like strongmen have been using it for years too. I'm yeah. I feel like I've honestly, I've really ever seen any powerlifters using it. So maybe I'll get one. <laughs> You should, you should. I've seen people use like the new wave or new age or new age one, I think, but I don't, it, to me, it's big. I don't like, I don't, I don't, I don't want anything distracting me from the task at hand, you know? Um, and there, and I just like, I, I don't ever, uh, I don't ever take sponsorship from a company that like, I'm aren't aligned with like my morals and ethics and beliefs. Yeah. And, um, I spent some time meeting them, getting to know them and wanting to know what their, goals were in their paths and they're just good people. So like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sponsored by anyone that like, I feel good about, like, I feel like they're either helping our sport or helping our community um, or just, you know, their vision is there. Um, they're not there just to make money. I mean, yeah. of course that's the end game, but the, the, the quality portion is there. And so that's why I, I um, signed on with them is because I really like what they're doing. I mean, they're really trying to improve what they have. They're really giving back to uh, CrossFit. They're getting into powerlifting and then the poor strongman. Um, and so, and they treat you with respect. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think brand loyalty is important only when the morals align. And I think that's for someone of your caliber who like, has a pretty big audience it's definitely important to make sure you're preaching the right stuff right well i get offers every day yeah. people want me to do wear their stuff or do this shit or that and <laughs> i do think about that and i'm like i would feel so bad if i promoted something and someone tried it and was like this is shit and jen told me to buy it like and i always think too like this is not my main job i do it because i enjoy it yeah. and it's fun i don't i don't need it so um I don't need to sell my soul for a few bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, and kind of touching on your influence, um, what's kind of been like your experience maybe with uh, female powerlifters kind of, I don't know, maybe reaching out to you or helping helping get them into the sport? Or... Oh, yeah. Um, it's been, I mean, our rise in powerlifting, we're rising big in numbers, but in particularly in the female. And honestly, 
um, surprisingly in like the older female category. Like we have tons of women in their 40s and 50s getting into the sport. Awesome. I think um, some of it is like when we first started, when I first started, it was still very much a male dominated sport and everyone was really afraid if you picked up that weight, you would turn into this gargantuan man, <laughs> you know, like you would lose all feminine, you know, aspects to your body and that, you know, it's all over. Um, so now we've really kind of, I think, smashed the walls of, of that, that concept with all the wonderful examples we see on social media of strong women. Um, so I think it's neat because I think finally, like the women my age are like, oh, I can do this and get strong at my age and not, you know, lose, lose my femininity. So I think that's pretty cool that we're seeing that. Um, but I do do some seminars. We, I had a group called Iron Sisters that we were doing um, some female like girl weekends all centered around um, powerlifting, but also just uh, the community aspect of it and um, identifying, you know, um, women important things about it. I mean, <laughs> men and women are different, yep. you know, so there are definitely some things that affects females that don't affect males and I'm sure vice versa. Um, but um, that kind of dwindled and now I've done a few things with Sisters of Iron, which is not the same thing. Ironically, it's a whole different company with different people. Um, but um, yeah, I do, I do a lot of that. Like uh, University of Michigan's powerlifting team just reached out to me and want me to come up and, awesome. um, and work with them a little bit. And then um, of course I work with Midland University uh, at the collegiate level. Um, so I don't specifically work with females because I think it is a co-ed sport, but I do enjoy, um, enjoy helping um, empower women and getting them in, um, into it, you know, and, letting them know that they they can do it and you will be welcome <laughs> yeah that's awesome because i remember uh, one of my earlier guests she was talking about when she first started lifting it was and you a lot of weight rooms just would have signs that said no women allowed so oh so obviously it's great to see the sport growing as a whole but i think it's really important to make sure it is truly a co-ed sport so yeah it is and it, it, it you see that even like um i kind of feel like powerlifting similar to tennis like our prize packs are the same. It doesn't matter if you're a male or woman. And I think uh, they're highlighted equally, you yeah. know, when you're talking about prime time or where the prime positions or when they're lifting, um, the women get an equal card to, to, to men because we have an equal draw, yeah. you know, and I can understand if nobody was watching it, you know, maybe that wouldn't be the case. But I think um, the last I checked, I think our membership for our USA powerlifting is getting close to 50 50 men and women it's still a little bit more on the men but i think it was like um 55 45 or something like that oh wow i so, didn't even know there was a difference mm -hmm. yeah I, so i mean when i first started there was barely any of us so yeah. <laughs> like to see it transform into that is pretty darn cool yeah and it, it is kind of funny too and it's nice that the stigma of like women getting bulky is like kind of dying because it's it, it's funny you look at it you're like well it's hard for us to get bulky so it is it's, it is great to see the evolution of the sport. So, mm -hmm. and you're a great advocate for it. Thank you. I think too, like um, what's nice about powerlifting is you sort of embrace all body types, you yeah. know. Um, so it, you know, it, there's no, you know, we're, we embrace the thick with the two C's, you know, <laughs> and the, and the peach, and you know, all that sort of stuff is as we can talk about it now and celebrate it and and be happy about it. Where before, you know, you just women were supposed to get really thin yeah. and look kind of like those thin models walking down the runways. And now we can embrace that um, 
all shapes and sizes are pretty darn awesome. So I, I love that. Yeah, that's great. So um, I guess we'll kind of wrap things up here. Um, I like to ask all my guests before we end, if you could give one piece of advice to a new power lifter or someone entering their first meet one, what would it be? Um, I think most of it is, I, I think right now, because of social media and just technology and stuff, we're a, a want it now sort of society. And I think um, powerlifting in particular is a long game sport. You know, the longer you put, longer you into it, the better you get, you know, no matter how long that is, you're never going to be your best on that first meet or when you first start. So you kind of have to tamp that attitude down right away and realize that this is a learning is a learning game. So put a lot of time into um, correct form that will serve you for the rest of your career. If you can get the basics and and understand that, I think also um, like auto regulation, understanding your body and its limits, um, when to push, when to not. And all that just becomes with experience and time and training. Um, but then surrounding yourself by positive people, people that are going to encourage you, but also hold you accountable. Yep. You know, if you're squatting high, they're going to tell you, you yep. know, <laughs> um, but like as far as getting into your first uh, meet, like I hear so many people like I'm not ready yet. My numbers aren't where they want them to be. Your first meet is never going to be a great one mm -hmm. ever because there's so there's such a huge learning curve. Yep. So I, I encourage like a mock meet in the gym. And then even your very first one, like give yourself a break, like go into it for fun, have some low level goals and maybe some higher level goals, but understand that you're just, you're being a student of the sport at this point. And you're learning what the referees are looking for, the timing, how to plan your first, second, third lifts. I mean, there's just so much to it. And then, you know, even your second meet will be a little better than the first. <laughs> and then I, and I do think it's good to do quite a few um because you just learn so much every time you do it you know and then space them out as you kind of get better and more into it but um no it's it's long term it's not a right now and it's not you know your training isn't about what you can post on social media the next day i mean that shouldn't be your your goal to hitting certain numbers or certain things you know once you start wrapping yourself and identifying yourself with who you are on social media and posts is when you're not going to be your best self your best athlete so um, kind of tamping that down is always a good idea. <laughs> That's awesome. That's some great advice. So, uh, I guess before we end things, if you could just let them know where they can find you on Instagram or if you oh, have yeah. anything else where you want to plug. Sure. Um, well, Instagram's Jen Thompson 132. Um, I have a subscriber, um, program also, which I'd like to try. I post a lot of good things on my Instagram and then I kind of post things that, um, I kind of side thoughts to my subscribers or they can ask me to post some stuff, you know, it's four ninety nine a month. Um, but I am really working on my YouTube channel, which is 132 pounds of power. I finished a quick bench series where I just basically broke down the bench into tiny pieces, like little three minute videos. So if you just want to know about grip, if you just want to know about arch, if you want to know takedown, you can just watch a quick video and I'm working on the squat series now. Um, so, uh, that's good. Um, I have a TikTok mostly, um, that's Jen Thompson one thirty two. I usually post funny shit on there. <laughs> not most of that, not, not most of that's educational. Most of that's just, um, trying weird shit in the gym yep. or stuff like that. <laughs> um, and then I have a, uh, program, uh, Tom is Thompson's gym dot program dot app. I'm getting ready to load it onto, um, Apple, but, um, 
you can go to the website, but any program I use, I have it on there. Um, so you can use what I use to get strong, but I also have like my youth programs on there, beginning program. I'm starting to work on a master's program, training program on there. And then, um, if you're on my program, you're in my community and I have like an amazing community of almost 200 people that post videos and give feedback and celebrate, you know, our ups and our downs. And so, um, pretty much on everywhere, Twitter, name it. I'm there. Jen Thompson, one, two. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time for coming on today. It was a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Have a good one. You too.